Hey, I'm Johanna Wagstaff. And hi there, I'm Rohit Joseph. And we're asking for 10 minutes of your day to go through the 10 things that the UN recommends we can all do when it comes to climate change. Please don't leave. No. And also the things (laughs) aren't new. We are just wired to not do them. We promise you to help you figure out your brains and you and your people can make better choices to combat climate change. 10 Minutes to Save the Planet is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is World Report. Good morning. I'm John Northcott. The United States military has begun airdropping aid into Gaza. This is the first round of emergency humanitarian aid authorized by President Joe Biden. The Palestinian Authority, meanwhile, says it hopes a ceasefire can be reached in the war in Gaza by the start of Ramadan in less than two weeks. But the region is still reeling from Thursday's incident involving an aid convoy that left more than 100 people dead, according to local officials. Dominic Valaitis has the latest. The UN said its observers visited Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital, where they saw 200 people being treated after Thursday's incident. Many of the victims, they claimed, had suffered gunshot wounds. The reports contradict Israeli claims that troops merely fired warning shots at the crowds after deeming them a threat, and that the majority of the 100-plus killed were either trampled or run over in the chaos which ensued. Canada is among the latest countries to condemn the killings and call for a full investigation into what happened. Thursday's incident has underlined the dire humanitarian situation in Gaza. The World Food Programme is now warning a famine is imminent in the north of the territory where aid has not been delivered for more than a week. An estimated 300,000 people are now struggling to find food and clean water. The United Arab Emirates, Egypt, France, Jordan and the UK have already Ready carried out airdrops in Gaza. Palestinian activists, though, have said aid is being dropped in the wrong places and that they are nothing more than a publicity stunt. Dominic Valaitis, CBC News, London. And we will have more on the ongoing situation in Gaza coming up on World Report. In a Surrey, B.C. speech by India's High Commissioner to Canada to promote trade, it was protested by supporters of a sick homeland. Some of the demonstrators called the diplomats' appearance a slap in the face. It's the latest in a series of protests since the murder last year of Hardip Singh Nijjar, a pro-Khalistan activist. Others in the movement blamed the Indian government for his death, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has also implicated India. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Trudeau is meeting with his Italian counterpart today in Toronto. Giorgia Maloney is coming to discuss G7 priorities as Italy prepares to host the summit in June. They're also expected to talk about the crises in Ukraine and Gaza. As Megan Williams reports, Trudeau is likely to be more cordial than when they met at last year's G7. Earlier this week at the Foreign Correspondents' Dinner here in Rome, after delivering an unusually self-deprecating speech, Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni told CBC she was looking forward to spending time with Justin in Toronto this weekend, talking trade and meeting members of the city's huge Italian-Canadian community. Canada is concerned about some of the positionings. Last year, when the two leaders met at the G7, Trudeau subtly chastised Meloni for her anti-LGBTQ stance 
including plans to revoke parental rights for same-sex couples. Maloney rose to power on a far-right platform, vowing to stop migrants from crossing to Italy and to stand up to the oppression of the European Union. A year and a half later, she's formed a close relationship with EU head Ursula von der Leyen and is seen as a bridge between centrist and far-right politicians. While her party lost a key regional election this week to the centre-left, on the global stage, this once political outlier has become an important player. Maloney is one of the few far-right leaders in Europe to support Ukraine against the Russian invasion. And she and Trudeau are expected to reaffirm their commitment to the country, as well as to push for a diplomatic solution to the war in Gaza and humanitarian aid for civilians. With Italian exports to Canada rising by almost 30% in the past four years, trade will also be top of the agenda. Megan Williams, CBC News, Rome. In New Brunswick, a major fire has destroyed a potato chip factory in the town of Heartland. The iconic Covered Bridge Potato Chips Company is a major employer there. Police say 20 to 30 workers were safely evacuated when the call first came in last night. Several hours later, the fire was still burning. The cause is under investigation. As plans for Brian Mulroney's state funeral are being prepared, Canadians continue to reflect on the legacy of their 18th Prime Minister. In the North, Mulroney is being remembered for the 1993 Nunavut Agreement, which led to the creation of a new territory. Juanita Taylor reports. That's then-Prime Minister Brian Mulroney back on May 25, 1993, saying he's happy he's arrived in Nunavut in Inuktitut. He was in Iqaluit to sign the largest land claim settlement in Canadian history, giving Inuit ownership of 350,000 square kilometres of land and more than a billion dollars. We are forging a new partnership, a real partnership, not only between the government of Canada and the future government of Nunavut, but between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal Canadians. Sitting right next to Mulroney that day was then-president of Nunavutungavik Incorporated, Paul Kwasa. Canada is setting a good example for the rest of the world, the importance of working with its first inhabitants. 31 years later, Kwasa still remembers being with Mulroney on what he says was a great moment for Inuit of Nunavut. With all the uh, disgrunts in, in Canada around that time, 1990s and around that time when he was a prime minister, talking about Oka crisis and Meech Lake Accord and, and all that, You know, I think this was a positive moment for him, dealing with uh, Indigenous peoples in Canada. And and it it meant a great deal for us. The signing of the Nunavut Agreement can be considered as Mulroney's last legacy. Exactly one month later, on June 25, 1993, Mulroney resigned as Canada's Prime Minister. Juanita Taylor, CBC News, Rankin Inlet, Nunavut. More now on our top story. U.S. military planes have airdropped about 38,000 meals into Gaza. This is the first round of emergency humanitarian aid authorized by U.S. President Joe Biden. It comes after the deaths of at least 115 Palestinians and the wounding of more than 750 others in northern Gaza, according to local officials. This as crowds rushed an aid convoy and the Israeli military opened fire. For more on this, we reached out to Fawaz Jurjes. He is chair of Contemporary Middle Eastern Studies at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Fawaz, let's talk about the prospects for a ceasefire ahead of Ramadan. 
Well, I think you have a race um, against time now. You have just eight days to go before the start uh, of Ramadan. Uh, my take on it is that it's 50-50. And the reason why I'm not very optimistic because uh, Israeli Prime Minister is signaling to Hamas, has been signaling to Hamas not to compromise. He keeps saying, he has repeatedly said that the assault on Rafah, Rafah being the last Gaza um, uh, section on the Egyptian-Palestinian border that has not been attacked, that Israel will attack Rafah, um, even if there is a hostage deal. He says it will only be delayed. So what really Netanyahu is saying, and forgive me for, forgive me for being cynical, he is signaling to Hamas not to compromise. Because Hamas, if Hamas gives up the hostages, the Israeli hostages, uh, this is the most strategic, important strategic card that Hamas has. So in a way, Hamas now is becoming very reluctant um, uh, to really make a deal unless there are assurances of a permanent ceasefire as opposed to a partial pause. And that's why I'm not very optimistic at this particular moment. Fawaz Jujas, Chair of Contemporary Middle Eastern Studies at the London School of Economics and Political Science, joining us from London. Thank you, Fawaz. Thank you, John. And finally, in Iran. برای توی کوچه رخصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامون برای شوین هجپور's song Baraye became the anthem for the protests in the country following Masa Amini's death in 2022 and earned him a Grammy. It's now sending the singer-songwriter to jail. In an Instagram post, Hajipur says that he's being sentenced to three years for, quote, inciting and provoking people to riot. He's also handed an eight-month sentence for, quote, propaganda against the regime. The song's lyrics list reasons given by young Iranians for protesting against the country's ruling theocracy. And that is World Report. I'm John Northcott. This is CBC News. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.